0: a great sound tone to play next. Nice uh, hello. Have you ever the lady? Um, we're a technical problem. Oh, we on? Can we... Yeah. <laughs> we're on Can I swear? <laughs> Shit. Oh yeah. Marconi was born in Bologna, in Italy, in 1874. The inventor, electrical engineer, entrepreneur and businessman is widely heralded as the inventor of radio. He was undoubtedly a genius initially experimenting with radio waves in his attic at the age of 20. He demonstrated a radio transmitter and receiver to his mother. It was a simple setup by today's standards, simply making a bell on the other side of the room ring by pressing a telegraphic button. He developed and refined his world-changing technology over the subsequent years and became personally famous and successful with a legacy that will last until the end of time. Which is alright, I guess, but could he seg up the next five songs, record the winner on Lucky Line 5, and then go and blag himself a branded car at the same time? I don't think so. This is Crunch and Roll, the podcast that celebrates the true pioneers of radio, the presenters, producers, and programmers. I'm John Fox, known to some as Foxy, done breakfast shows across the UK on commercial radio, more recently some shows on the BBC. And today I chat to somebody I've had the pleasure of working with at um, Signal One. She's uh, a very good friend. So uh, please do forgive a little bit of reminiscing. It was just nice to catch up with Emma Louise Jones. It was, um, it was just like being back on air with her actually when she eventually turned up. And we chatted about why she wasn't cut out to be a journalist and how she became famous overnight for looking grumpy and also I ask her to rank her top three co-hosts. Surely there can only be one winner. Just to warn you, this is a little bit sweary. There are some adult themes. Oh yeah. Hello Emma Jones.
1: Hi Foxy. How are you? I'm good thanks my pal. How are
0: you? Yeah, I'm good. It's nice to see your face. I've not seen you for how many years since we we saw each other face to face? I, I
1: think you've been avoiding me now. Is it about... Three years, <laughs> I haven't been avoiding
0: <laughs> All right, now look, this is this is about radio, and, and, and let's just be honest. Um, you and I have worked together, and we'll get onto to that in, in a bit. Uh, so there'll be a bit of in on this, so I apologize in advance. Tell me, when did you start in radio? Uh,
1: fat
0: Well, actually, I started in news. Um, am I allowed to swear or not? You can swear, yeah. Oh. Well, You you are my version of Mel B, so you're allowed to swear. Go on, you bastard.
1: So I started in news, but I was shit at it. Um, I tried that route. I thought, oh, let's see what news is like. And I actually started over at Q103 when it was Q103, covering bits of news on the weekend and covering traffic and travel, realised news wasn't for me. And then my first actual paid radio job was doing uh, the network travel. Do you remember when it became um, Greatest Hits 2? The yep. radio stations all became greatest hits too. I was doing the traffic and travel. Uh, that was my first gig in 2015.
0: Because you, you have got a degree in journalism, haven't you?
1: Uh, and a master's in broadcast journalism. But-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to overlook that. Because I'll be honest, Emma, I never believe that because you've never shown me the paperwork. <laughs> So you wanted to, did you want to be a journalist? Is that what you wanted to do initially?
1: Yeah, because I used to enjoy writing, believe it or not, when I was younger. And I used to think, oh, maybe one day, you know, I might actually do this. I might be going to print journalism. But then when I actually um, was studying, when I was doing my degree in journalism, we did a radio module, but it was like the last quarter of like my last year that we did it. And I remember going in this booth and we had to just mock up this radio show and I just fell in love with it. And I was like, wow, like... People are forced to hear my voice. This is brilliant. And I came out and I was like, this is what I want to do. I knew then, I was like, I need to do this for a living. And then after that, that's when I thought, right, I'll have a look at the news avenue. But I don't know if you can tell, but probably wasn't for me that. I'm a bit too... Do you know what it was? I got a bit too emotionally invested in people I didn't know. And I always felt a bit bad, like if someone had just had a recent, like, tragedy it just didn't sit right with me, like encroaching on their space or, you know, just... Well, just be, be, be,
0: being a journalist, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you are... I mean, uh, there's going to be a few times when I, I'm going to be very pained to say some nice things about you. But oh. you are a very caring person, aren't you?
1: I do care. Probably, yeah, but like I have like irrational cares for people I don't know. Like I care about strangers and their feelings as well as the people that I actually do know and love. So I think that probably is probably what initially drew me to it, you know, because you get to talk to a lot of different people and you get to hear their stories. And that's probably what attracted me to it, but also what deterred me from actually being able to do the job and be happy at the same time.
0: Can you remember any bad stories that you wrote about?
1: No, I remember a story in news, right? This was the day it really clicked that this was not for me. Somebody had been murdered. And it was a horrific murder. It was all over the news. I won't tell you what it was, but it was all over the news. And they had been murdered in one of the worst ways imaginable. And the news editor sent me to the vigil where all the family and friends were and everything. And they were like, right, we just need you to get some sound bites. Anyway. I ended up crying with the family. I was literally weeping with the family. And all that came back on the morants was just me crying with them, going, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know how to, like, do a morant. I didn't know how to download audio or delete it. So I had to literally hand it back to the news editor, who was, like, a big deal, and say, I'm really sorry. I didn't get what you wanted, but you are going to hear me crying a lot with the family. Hey,
0: that was a unique journalistic style. I don't know why it didn't work out for you, Ems.
1: I, I don't know why they never called me back after that.
0: <laughs> so at some point, somebody in the newsroom went, oh, I don't know if this is for you, Emma. Have you ever thought about mentioning the M42 a couple of times an hour?
1: Yeah. No, no. That was when I was exploring the avenues, right, and the options. Because what I thought was, right, news clearly isn't for me. And at the time when I was in the news building, I remember seeing all the presenters and it was like they just seemed to be having the best time. They were on the bottom floor, and news was on the floor above with everyone in the office and stuff. And they just seemed to be having a right good laugh every morning. And I was like, I wanna do whatever they're doing. So I remember going to the boss and being like, look, I know I don't wanna do news, I know I can't edit for shit. I've tried that. I can't edit jingles. Um, But I'd love to be a presenter. Like, I sat on reception. I went out (laughs) with the books, visiting the different schools. I tried editing jingles, but what should have taken me about five minutes took me 12 hours. So, in the end, they were like, this is not for you. Um, I tried doing news, but I got too upset. At this point, I'd made every single person in the office a brew about 50 times over. And I think even they were sick of seeing my face. So, they were like, just give the girl a job and put her in a somewhere um so this job came up doing the traffic and travel across the um hits network the greatest hits network and I was just buzzing like don't get me wrong I was getting paid absolutely nothing well hardly anything um and I was doing split shifts I, I, they said to me right you're going to be in at like 6 a.m <clears throat> six fifteen, um and you're going to be wrapped up at about half nine then you'll come back in the evening and do the same on drive so like half three till seven And I was just loving it. I just could not believe that someone had actually was paying me finally to do a job that was closest, the closest job to the thing I actually wanted to do, which, of course, was the presenting side of it. And what was really good was the people that were presenting at the time used to bring me in on if they were doing bits on the radio, they'd bring me in to have a little chat with or have a laugh with. So that was a really nice way of me bedding in without being thrown into just presenting a show on my own or being an official co-host because it meant I could be relaxed and just have a laugh and a chat and jump in wherever they felt appropriate. So I loved that job, you know, I loved it so much. So you
0: must've got to work with some, some good, good people.
1: Yeah, I did actually. I worked with um, Nick, Nick Wright, who'd previously been over uh, in Newcastle and he was brilliant because obviously he'd been doing it for years. So he taught me a lot about how to, just be relaxed and be yourself on there rather than feel that you have to be something else. Yeah. You're right. Emma.
0: You're right. Sorry. It was just when you said somebody advised you to be yourself. I, I don't know if that was good advice. Carry on.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not in radio anymore. So, um, <laughs> 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 cheers, Nick. um, I'm- um I worked with yeah loads of different people to be fair um on that doing that because I was in and out all the time so I used to see a lot of different people And what I also used to do was go and if I wasn't jumping on air with or doing the traffic and travel for the greatest hits, two stations. I'd go in and see because like the hits was coming out of there, like loads of different stations were coming out. So I could just go and speak to the other presenters. And it was really nice because they obviously all have very different styles and they're very different people of all ages. But I learned a lot from each of them. But the overwhelming thing was just being themselves. They were being themselves and that worked for their audience. So how did you get the job at
0: The Great 969? Viking.
1: Um, Well, that was because I went, I went to the boss and I was like, look, I know I've been doing this for about nine months now, pumping out your traffic and travel broadcasts, but I still really want to be a presenter. Like I am desperate to be a, a, a breakfast show presenter now. And he said, Right, fine, if you want to do that, move to Hull. You have to go to Hull. And at, at that point, I'd never been to Hull in my life, but I was like, Absolutely, I'll take the job now, please. Thank you. Um, and it wasn't my job, it was a trial run. So um, I remember um, going to all my family and being like, Oh my God, I've got a breakfast show job. I am going to be on the radio. And they were like, Amazing, where? And I was like, I'm moving to Hull. They were like, What? <laughs> um, you're moving to Hull. I was like, yeah, I'm buzzing. I was so excited. So it was the beginning of January, packed up my little Ford Fiesta with everything I'd got, drove over to Hull, stayed in the Holiday Inn at the marina. I thought, this is fantastic. Is this our Breakfast Show presenters get treated? I had a bath, chilled out, only got four hours sleep because I was very nervous. Anyway, the next day, um, you know where the holiday is in relation to Viking FM. It's obviously on the marina. It's about a two minute walk. I didn't know this because I'd never been. So I ended up driving around Hull for about twenty minutes trying to find Viking FM. You're joking! Home. Now, for
0: people that don't know, uh, if you were to leave the boathouse, which was where Viking FM was located, your nose would touch the Holiday Inn. It was yes. that close. So you got in your car,
1: I got in my car, and got lost. I got in my car. And you know that roundabout near there. Yeah. I came off every angle of that roundabout, looking trying to find this building. <laughs> And the thing is, I think people thought I'd just slept in, but I genuinely hadn't. I'd been up since like half four because I wanted to be there on time. I'd just been driving all over Hull, which was nice because then I saw a few things on my way. But I don't think I fully understood radio then. And I just remember sitting and talking th- through the whole show when we were on air and off air. And you know how annoying that is. Yes. Anyway, mm. because um, you've worked with me. Um And I remember, I reflect on that now, and Alex Duffy, who was brilliant with me and really, really helped me learn a lot. I remember thinking afterwards, oh God, I just made his life really difficult because I just talked to him and he's trying to plan a whole show. And I'm like, so where'd you keep your tea bags in the kitchen then? Where are those?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine Um, that. I I genuinely, and do you know what? It surprises me that you were late because your timekeeping has always been impeccable, Emma.
1: (laughs) We'll not get into that, eh, John? Shall we part? that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: okay.
1: I'm, I'm sure you'll remind me of that later, but let me just tell you this, right? So I did that first show. I was absolutely exhausted, and I thought, exhausted but happy. I went in to see, like, the guy that was producing at the time. He said, great job, like, we're going to stay behind now, have a planning meeting for tomorrow. Oh, and by the way, you're not staying in the Holiday Inn anymore because they don't have a deal with them. you go into the Ibis up the road. Um which didn't have any radiators in the middle of January. (laughs) So I'd gone from up here on top of the world thinking, I can't believe breakfast show presenters get treated like this. And then I was brought right back down to earth. So I spent two weeks there on trial, um, you know, waiting to find out if the job was mine. And then when they eventually offered it me, yeah, I just got a flat in the city centre and absolutely loved it. Loved it there.
0: How many years were you at Viking?
1: I was only there 18 months, you know, 18 months. Few years, but I I loved it. In terms of my career, I remember saying to Alex when we'd go for a little walk around the marina or have some breakfast. Um, I used to say, you know, this we're going to reflect on this one day and remember this as some of our like fondest memories. And I really do because, as you all know from your experience, Viking FM is one of the stations where you can just throw everything into it. You're there just having a good time. You are just having a good time. We're having a party. Oh yeah. Do you know what my biggest memory of biking fm is and you've probably seen the video is alex duffy pranking me doing the swear prank on me so i'm new to radio going into it right eye bushy tail best industry in the world can't believe i'm here i'd had a week off and i came in and i was like it's <laughs> ready and am ready to go again guys um and i used to look to alex in the same way i did with you to steer the ship like to tell me this is what we're doing and then I would just kind of chat along and have a good time with it and uh, I remember saying what are we doing next and he said oh I, don't worry I'll it. Sort of, we've got a list and I was thinking okay all right I trust him anyway he opens the fader the the red lights on and he says right I've got this list here Emma and it's a list of words that people think are more acceptable to say these days and I was like okay he said so I'm going to read them to you and let's just see what you think. And he started with the word bloody, and I was like, that is fine. Uh, I was a little bit nervous and tentatively said, "You know, it allows you to place more emphasis on a word. But as the list went on, and he started saying some of your favorite words, John, I was absolutely horrified. And it didn't once cross my mind, not once that we weren't live on air, because I don't know how we did it, because I'm not very good at knowing all that kind of stuff but the red light was on and it was the 20 past eight link, which is obviously notoriously one of the most important links in radio. All I could think was "This kids on the way to school. He's about to lose us both of our jobs. We are going to get inundated with complaints and I've only been in the job two and a half months and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, and now it's all going to be over. And at one point, I actually spanned on my chair and, and said, can somebody help me? Because I was that terrified and did, I didn't know what had gone on. I thought, is he quitting his job? And this is the way he's leaving and he's taking me down with him. I had no idea but as it had happened Alex had been in the day before or whenever pre-recorded that link and that his links on his own and he was playing those out while he was recording the swear prank Um, but I fell for it, hook, line and sinker. And I remember people from all over the world getting in touch with us, reaching out after they'd seen it. We we ended up um, chatting to a radio station over in Australia, in America, because it went everywhere. Well, I think probably because I reacted as anyone would in that situation when someone's saying those horrific words. Um and people, yeah, people just en- enjoyed basically laughing at me, I think. So that is like my standout moment at Viking FM.
0: Did you leave Viking and then you were looking for your next venture and Signal, the opportunity came up or did Signal come to you? I can't remember.
1: So obviously I'm, I've always been very close to my Nana and Granddad, as mm. you know, I love them to pieces yeah. and being in Hull for 18 months was the first time that I'd really been away from them, from them for a chunk of time, like a real chunk of time. And, and I've, and I just felt really like guilty that I wasn't there for them enough. I felt like I needed to be over. And obviously they were based over near signal one way closer. And it meant that I could be near them and, you know, take granted food shopping and do all the stuff that I wanted to do to be there for them. And so it, it just all worked perfectly in terms of timing. Cause I'd been saying, you know, I, I can't do this so much longer. I can't be away from them. Um, and then, yeah, I don't, I don't actually remember how it came about. I can't remember whether I spoke to Simon at Signal or whether he spoke to me. I genuinely cannot remember. But I remember thinking, oh, this is so exciting because not only do I get to be close to Nana and Granda, but they're going to be able to listen to me on the radio. They can actually listen to me. And they loved it. As you know, Foxy, they were both big fans of you. Oh. And they used to love it. And every day when I speak to them after the show they'd give me a full rundown of the show and I'd be like yeah I know that because I've just done it I know everything because <laughs> so. well, I mean,
0: because you're from Nantwich Northwich,
1: Northwich I mean, same Northwich. same
0: thing uh, but Signal One was your hometown station so that was that a station was- that you listened to growing up
1: yeah I absolutely loved it so again that was a proper pinch me moment when I got offered that job and like before I'd met you I could not believe it um, and it all went downhill from there,
0: didn't it? Well, I remember Simon Monk and uh, Matt Smith, who was the deputy at Signal at the time, um, saying, right, I think we've found the, the, the co-host for you. And I was like, all right, who is it? And he said, oh, it's uh, Emma Louise Jones, who's been on Viking FM. Now, of course, I've got a lot of love for Viking and I thought that you'd ruin the show. So I was, <laughs> I jest. But I was like, okay, so let, let's let's meet up. So we agreed to meet at, was it, it was like a, a Weatherspoons or something, wasn't it? It was quite quite rock and roll. It was some hotel on the, M6, wasn't it? We got there on time. Uh, In fact, we were about 15 minutes uh, before we were supposed to meet. And then about 45 minutes late, you come bounding in. And I'm like, this isn't the best start, is it, Emma? (laughs) But instantly, I don't know what it is. You've got just that rare ability to get away with absolutely anything. You really have. Like, I mean, the the time that we spent together at Signal, you you do things that I was like, well, I think, you know, if that was me, I'd probably be gone. You got away with it. I mean, if you ever thought of changing career to become a murderer, you'd be fine.
1: (laughs) No, I think you did at certain points working with me in the morning. I I thought about it a couple
0: of times. Yeah, I (laughs) I thought about it a couple of times.
1: I'd just like to point out genuinely that I was driving over from Hull to meet you that day and the traffic was unprecedented. I didn't know that was going to happen.
0: Unprecedented. (laughs) You think just by using a long word that I might not understand that you're going to get away with your timekeeping.
1: That's why you use that word. (laughs) And and I apologised straight away. I did apologise. As soon as I came in, I said, I'm, I said, I'm deeply sorry when I got there. And I, I sincerely meant that. Then I had to go to the toilet. And I remember coming out and seeing your face and thinking, I don't know this guy, but he looks very angry.
0: <laughs> so look, we, we, so things we, we got on and um, we, we started working together. Can you remember your first day at signal one? Cause I, I, I always remember my first day at my hometown station of Viking. I, 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 I filled my pants. I was so nervous. Can you remember that first day?
1: I do actually. I remember. But what was weird about that first day was I remember just thinking, I feel like I've been here forever. I walked into you and you treated me how you did every day thereafter. And I honestly just remember thinking like you just took the piss out of me from the get go. And I was like, I'm home. Like this feels right. Like me and him are going to get on like, I, I just knew it. And I remember coming away thinking that didn't feel like work. That just felt like fun. That was, and this is what I want to be doing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't know at that point that you weren't going to speak to me until it was 7am. <laughs>
0: Dems are rules, Emma. I'm very, I had to commute from Worcester to Stoke, which is an hour and 10 minutes. I wasn't in the best of moods at six. We'd start the show and the rules were let's not chat until <laughs> seven. I'm too tired. <laughs>
1: so what used to happen was i'd walk in about five past six um foxy would glare at me even though i did it every day he would then point in the direction of upstairs and that meant go and get my massive sports direct mug and bring me a black coffee edit that bit out (laughs) (laughs) Oh, i didn't mind because i knew once you'd drunk that you'd be yourself again um And then, and then I would just annoy you for a bit. I'd bring in like a really smelly breakfast and open my Tupperware and you'd look at me in disgust while I sat there. Because
0: you're, 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 um, you're vegetarian.
1: Yeah. Until I've had a drink.
0: Until you've had a drink. Yeah. You, you, you're a, you're a vegetarian that eats meat. quite a unique vegetarian. (laughs) Um, and and the the the, the items because you, you would insist on having breakfast at exactly the same time because you're really into your fitness so you had to eat exactly what was it quarter to seven or something ridiculous <laughs> and you'd open up your Tupperware and it'd be it'd just be so random it'd be an aubergine with <laughs> blancmange. like it uh, and it'd just stink.
1: I used to have these specific sausages, veggie sausages that were herby oh. And and then I'd have an avocado, and then I'd have something else on the side. I'd mix that little bit up, maybe some spinach or something. And I just remember you used to look at me in utter disgust. And then there was the rare occasion. Do you remember? Because obviously we were in Stoke where we'd got oat cakes delivered. That was a proper treat. And then there was, so there was this place around the corner from me and Foxy that did really good oatcakes and Sometimes, if I begged and pleaded enough, Foxy would come with me to get oatcakes. But the deal was, he walks 10 yards ahead or behind. No, he wouldn't out as well.
0: <laughs> I, can I just defend myself on that? <laughs> the reason why I, I rarely used to go out in public with you is because people just stare at you. You know that.
1: Yeah, but why did you not want to be seen with me? I I I thought we were friends, but I remember there was one time where we were eating the oat cakes in my car and you were in the passenger seat and you fully wound it all the way. You were basically sitting in the back of my car because you didn't want to be seen. You must have given yourself indigestion eating like that.
0: There are there are a couple of stories of of our time and I, I I Genuinely felt that when, when you joined uh, Signal One, that I, I thought it was a good show. And we did, we did fairly well, you know, on the figures and, and listening and stuff. But just some, some stories. One of my favourite stories, and I, I feel I'm going to have to pass the baton to you to finish this story. Otherwise, it's going to sound wrong coming from me. But we did, we came with this idea and, and every breakfast show has done it. We do live from your drive. And uh, we teamed up with um, some motor home company that lent us one of their motor homes. And we'd, we'd park up on a listener's drive, uh, a different listener every single day of the, that week. And Monday, myself and, and Simon, the boss and, and the engineer, Jack, we, we turned up about five o'clock to make sure everything was plugged in. We could obviously go live from someone's drive. And then at five past eight, everyone's like, well, it's only Emma. So let's just give it a bit of time. I'm sure she'll make it at some point. And then about quarter past six, um, someone's car (laughs) horn went off. And we were like, who's beeping the horn at quarter past six? And then suddenly in her Mr. Motivator outfit, Emma comes bounding through the motorhome door. Right, I'm sorry, guys, a little bit late. Uh, the, The traffic was unprecedented, right? And you come through and we were like, was that you beeping your horn in your car? To which you then had to explain the story as to why in your then BMW 1 series. I know you've got a Maserati now, but tell me why why your horn went off every morning that week in a residential area at quarter past six.
1: Why did it? I don't remember why. You tell me.
0: <laughs> you told us all. And I think you told this story on air, so maybe it eases a little bit me sharing it on the podcast. But because, because of how... You are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <I remember.
1: laughs> So when I drove my little one series, I'm one of those people that, like, kisses the steering wheel when they drive. But that meant when I got out, you know, everything was towards the steering wheel. So I would accidentally knock the horn with my um, breasts and... <laughs> He's just scare the shit out of me.
0: <laughs> every morning. Every morning. Beep. Oh, Emma's here. Emma's here. She's just getting out of the car. And like people in the house would be like, oh, who's doing that? Oh, it's all right. It's just Emma. She she when she gets out of a the car, the, the car horn goes off for, for a reason. And you'll you'll see why in a minute.
1: <laughs> Do you also remember I used to try and park out right outside the building? so that I didn't have to walk up, because it was a bit scary at that yeah, time yeah, in the morning. Yeah. And I'd get a parking ticket nearly every yeah, single yeah, day.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you kept um, Stoke Council afloat with the amount of parking tickets that you had to pay for. Is this going out or is it just in our headphones? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. a technical problem. You heard something on air you shouldn't have done. Oh, yeah. Another story, Emma, uh, from our time at Signal One, was um, you were starting to get uh, noticed by other media outlets and you did something for i think it was the fa and um you were were you hosting pre-match some kind oh, of yeah. for, for the england football team just remind me yeah. that what you were doing
1: it was the england costa rica international friend friendly um in 2018 at ellen road and i was working for the fa doing like um the big screens pre-match half-time full-time
0: yeah and um, I watched the match, um, didn't see you on camera because I wasn't paying that much attention. And um, I came in to the, uh, to the studio the, the following morning and there was just so much reaction to people saying, blonde bombshell looks miserable at football match. And it was you. And I was like, oh my God. So you come bounding in at quarter to seven and because the traffic was unprecedented. <laughs> and it all kicked off. You'd gone viral. Do you remember that morning? It was just mental. And there's me trying to talk in and out of boy zone, right? And, and do, do, do the show. And, and like, you're getting messages, emails, we're getting calls, like national newspapers.
1: I'm like, oh, what the hell has gone on here? It was mental. Uh, and you know what? Because i have been inside the stadium for the game you don't get any phone signal so it was only when I came out of the uh, stadium and I had to obviously drive home and I knew I had to get in bed because I was up early um because I knew I was going to be on air at like 7am um so I didn't get as much chance to look through my phone properly so it was only really when I was with you the next morning and then it was in the newspapers that it all started unraveling while I was on air and then I remember like coming home that day and there was like newspaper photographers. <laughs> outside the house asking for photo shoots and I was like what is happening about an hour ago I was trying to eat oat cakes as foxy and now you want a photo shoot with me it was mental I remember that it was just this bizarre thing wasn't it and people thought I think what it was is people didn't know what I was doing there so they they just didn't know who I was
0: chances are Emma neither did you yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the reason the reason why you went viral is cuz they they on the camera they they caught you looking quite miserable. Yes. And I, and and for so, and I, another thing that's going to pay me to say is that you're a very smiley person. So they must have caught you on that split second where you just looked bored and that's what they hung on. That's what the that's what the headlines was. And and, and you went viral. You went bloody viral Emma.
1: It was mental, that it really was. And also, I'd like to point out that that wasn't me looking bored. That was my concentration phase, because I knew I was going to have to, like, talk about the action at half time. I, I needed to be focused. And obviously, when I do the breakfast show with you in the morning, I don't really need to be focused. So that's why I can always smile. You don't really see me looking serious. But that was genuinely what it was. But I do remember that. It was bizarre, wasn't it? It was just... It was, yeah, it was all very
0: weird that time. I I want to get onto social media in just a second. But do you remember that time that crazy guy, he repeatedly hung around outside Signal One because he just wanted to look at you? Like, how crazy was that?
1: Yeah, yeah. what was crazier was that the person on reception kept letting him in. (laughs) What was she called, that lady? I can't remember.
0: She hated me because I'd replaced that breakfast show that had been on there for years and years and years and, and out of everybody at Signal One. And there were some amazing people. It was a real family feel. And I do miss yeah. that, that family feel. She, she, for some reason, I just couldn't break her down. It, it, took, it took all the, the, the years I was there to just to get a smile. But yeah, she kept let, letting that crazy guy in. Like he'd be, yes. we, we'd be on air and I'd look to my right and there was a crazy guy just staring at Emma
1: do you remember I used to like go out and like try and politely say I have asked if we can stop letting him in do you think maybe next time we can lock the door and then he started turning up with a rucksack and I was like and he was like I've got this for you and it was just a backpack full of photos of me (laughs) I I had to stand there signing them and I know word of like he had about 20 just big laminated uh, photos, and I had to sign them all. Anyway, they bloody turned up on eBay. Do you remember? <laughs> How much did they get? How much were they for? Uh, 79p a pop.
0: Oh, my, get one of them. Keep the kids away from the fire. Is that all they are? That's pretty good going. That. 79p. <laughs> yeah, he was crazy. Now, social media, of course, you're huge on social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You've got what? A combined grouping of what a million people that want to follow your antics would you say it's about a million uh
1: you've probably been a little bit generous but there are thereabouts you, oh you are
0: probably been a little bit generous
1: <laughs> but yeah there were bats
0: right so yeah you're not far off and um I, I used to enjoy some of the requests that you used to get from people on social media
1: what i used to love about that was i would get like a request saying like oh can you send me a photo of your feet? Right. But what would happen was like Foxy would see the real me in the morning. So he would see me like without my trainers on and be like, oh, this is
0: disgusting. I just, I, I, look, I, I was, I guess in some people's eyes, I was very fortunate enough to see your feet. And I, I, I always thought that should someone want to part with five grand, which I mean, you got offered a lot of money for pictures of a your lot. feet, a lot of money. I just always imagine the disappointment when that picture eventually arrived through their letterbox. Like, it's just like, oh, can I have my money back?
1: Yeah. It was, there were all sorts of requests, weren't there? Some people used to message just saying like, um, I just want to pay you. Do you remember? We used to get the pay picks. Can I just pay you? You can pay, you can pay for your rent. You can pay for whatever. Um, I'll just put the money in your account um and don't get me wrong it was significantly more than signal one were paying me so we were tempting at time (laughs) but it was it was um yeah i mean it still is bizarre those requests have not stopped believe it or not
0: brilliant it just makes me feel quite sad because nobody's ever requested a picture (laughs) of me my face let alone my feet
1: so. i do remember though someone made a social media account where they just morphed your head on different characters yeah. they made you shrek do mm. you remember
0: yeah i remember that emma yeah yeah i'm still suspicious that that was you as well
1: i promise you i promise you it wasn't me but it was so entertaining yeah.
0: now uh, do, do you know another thing I, I remember we we for your birthday week because you sadly lost your mom and you do an amazing podcast yourself for, for people that have lost their parents and um, we organized for you too you, you had some video footage of your mum I remember we we organized for it to be shown on a cinema for your for your birthday which I don't think you ever took up the offer I mean, it was a lot of work actually but you know, forget that and um, that was the first time I'd ever seen you get emotional and it was I, I don't think I'll ever forget that show because it was just just heartbreaking to watch you feel so sad after you know what was potentially going to be such a lovely day for you
1: it. Was, do you know what? I, I always remember that day and I would just remember feeling so overwhelmed because I always knew me and you, like we We loved each other. Like we have that relationship where you just took the piss out of me. But I'm like, I know he does it because he loves me and I, love, I actually love having the piss taken out of me by him. But like it's very rare that we'd have a sentimental moment. Well, I tried, but you didn't like me. You didn't like them. So on that occasion, I just remember thinking, oh, my God. He has gone to so much effort here. Like, this shows how much he knows what is important to me and how much he truly does value our friendship because he's listened to what I've spoken about and what matters. And then the effort that he's gone to to try and make this so special. And that is, like, without comparison, the most thoughtful thing anyone's ever done for me. That was just amazing. We will not be be editing this bit out. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) So Emma, any other memorable moments or stories from your time at the Mighty Signal one?
1: There was one time where you were going to a fancy dress party or something and I decided I was going to get you your outfit and I got in touch with a local fancy dress shop and managed to get you I can't remember who you were going as I think it was Dolly Parton but that's who you ended up looking like and I just remember bringing this big blonde curly wig and this this dress with a pair of bosoms in it right and you put it on in the studio and I have never seen like hairier legs and just a hairier man Bulging out of a Dolly Parton costume, it, it was you know, it was the funniest it. Do you know the
0: funniest thing is? I looked at myself in that costume, Emma, and I looked like you.
1: <laughs> hey, I hope you didn't drive in it. You'd be honking that horn every time. <laughs> <laughs> Cunty, uh, uh, right, We apologise.
0: We just play records on eight, nine. When do
1: we finish? I'm not drunk. I've had a couple
0: of drinks. I'm not drunk. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Now, I, I remember the day that you left Signal and I was, again, it's going to pay me to say it, I was genuinely gutted when you said you were leaving and I knew that at that time you'd had enough.
1: Oh, is, is had enough the right way to put it? No, I hadn't had enough. Because I, I, what it was, was I loved Signal. But at the time, I was all over the place. So I was waking up early. And then I was doing, do you remember, I was driving to Leeds a few times a week, then doing London. And I, and I remember thinking, like, I can't keep doing this. I crashed my car twice in nine days, because I was so knackered. And I remember thinking, I cannot carry on doing this. Something's got to give. And what I thought in my head was, even though it broke my heart, because I loved, loved, loved that show, that was the thing that was I was getting up really early for. So that was the thing that was having the knock-on effect for the rest of the day. So when, when, when something had to give, I knew it had to be that. But I tried to put it off for as long as possible because I really actually didn't want to leave.
0: And when you did, um, obviously you've gone on to do a lot of telly, which we can briefly talk about in a bit. But then you obviously oh, – I was proud – you went on to Five Live, which is obviously national, and you because of course football, and you've got your connections with Leeds United, which all always pained me. I mean, being a whole City <laughs> fan, it was never good, but you've you've got your connections with uh, with yeah. Leeds United, and and you went on to do Five Live, and you, you know, tell me about that. I mean, tell me that call that you got saying, would you like to do a show on Five Live?
1: So it was. Um, I was asked if I'd like to go in for and do a pilot, you know, just to to see if I could do it. And I was so nervous because obviously I've been used to waking up in the morning and just sticking around with you and having a great time. Very little responsibility on my shoulders because you were doing all the in and outs. You knew what you were doing. And I was just there for the ride and having a great time and laughing along and chipping in. And this was, I was going to be running it. I was going to be, um, kind of leading it in and out and and guiding the whole, the whole show, um, on a national level with Robbie Savage, who was going to be the one, you know, engaging with the callers because it was his opinion that they wanted, obviously. But it was on me to kind of lead it all in and out. Anyway, I cannot express how nervous I was about doing this trial. Um, So I went in, did the show, um, just like a quick run through of it, you know, as it would sound. And then they said, yeah, we're going to let's give you a crack at it. Go for it. And I remember being in there and obviously it's a huge deal. I was like, oh my God. And everyone was just so relaxed. And I was like, sorry, how are we all this calm? And then I remembered, it's only me that's new here. No, everyone else does this week in, week out. They're absolutely fine with it. Um, And yeah, I just remember like looking at screens with all these calls coming through and thinking this is for real now. This is actually happening. And for the first time, Um, I'd had producers in my ear talking so you have to like hold the show together listen to what the callers are saying listen to the producers you know it was up to me to be hitting the news on time and be dipping in and out and throwing to different reporters who were at grounds for updates on scores and stuff and it was so daunting but actually it's the kind of thing where I think the experience that I'd had with you and with Alex before that stood me in really good stead because Yes, you've got phone calls and it's you know you've got people in your ear, but really in radio, it's all the same thing, isn't it? You're in a live environment, you're there to talk, you're there to entertain, and you're there to keep us on air. So actually, when you strip it back to its basics, that had stood me in really good stead. It's just that it was it was nerve-wracking. But I really enjoyed it. I had I had a really, really good time, um, and really enjoyed doing that show. And again, Nana and Granad used to tune in the They'd listen to me and then ring me afterwards and, again, give me a full breakdown of the full show. <laughs> like I'd not just been presenting it.
0: <laughs> so sweet. What was it like working with Robbie Savage?
1: Well, I still have to do it every week at the minute, don't I? But, um, no, I love him. Again, he is – I've always said this to Robbie. He is um an amazing person. He is a lovely, lovely man. And, actually, I think – what people think he is and what he actually is are two different things. Um, and he's helped me a lot with different things. And he's, he's very, he's actually very astute and he understands what listeners want. He knows how to prod in the right ways at the right times. And he used to, you know, he'd ring me after the show and say, brilliant show, mate. You did well on this. You did well on that. And he, he'd always be really honest with me as well, which I also appreciate, as you know, um, and yeah, we we have a good friendship, me and Robbie, and I work with him every week now. We do a little a little clip together, a little um, feature for William Hill every week, which I really enjoy. And he's just uh, he's just a good guy. He's just a nice guy. He, he likes he likes a laugh, and he's yeah, he's a good lad.
0: So essentially, you've worked with three co presenters. Um, rate them from best to worst. I
1: don't think I to get it.
0: One to three.
1: What? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. No. Because, but John.
0: Because if you very- if you don't do it, I'm gonna do it.
1: Okay. You rate them from one to three. Who's who's number one? Me. <laughs> Shock. Who's number two? Alex Duffy. <laughs> I'll let I'll let Robbie know. He's my least favourite co-host. <laughs> no, do you know what though? On a serious note, um, I actually have always said to people, because you're this figure, right, where, because you've been around for so long, I think people feel like they know who you are again. But actually, um, and you're you're a very uh, dominant figure. You're a very, you own the space that you're in, right? And that can be intimidating, I think, for people. But I just love you. And I consistently said that. Anyone that asked me when I started working on that show and anyone that's ever asked me, I've consistently said I love you because what you are and why you've worked so well on radio over the years is you are so 100% yourself no matter who you're in front of who however important they may supposedly be it doesn't matter you don't change for anyone and I think like that's the most admirable thing in the world and actually you really do care about people you 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 put on this facade that you don't but you really do care and you're way more sensitive than you let on and i feel like i knew that very quickly with you i understood you and understood how you worked um and understood that i annoyed the absolute fuck out of you and because of that
0: (laughs) i I feel can can we producer simon can we play some soft kind of music inspirational music underneath (laughs) this you know, talking about inspirational people. So, I've, you know, I've never kept it a secret that I'm a huge fan of Chris Moore's and uh, I admire him for many reasons. Uh, mainly because he does what he believes in, and I, I like the fact that his management allowed him to do that. I'm, I'm sure there'll be restraints at some you know point, but he, and he's a great broadcaster. Um, obviously, he talks about you quite a bit because of the Leeds United connection. Have you ever spoken to him about this?
1: Uh, oh, absolutely! I have. He doesn't. He doesn't just talk about me. He he talks like me. He puts on my accent and goes, "Hi, everyone! I'm Mama Jones." So he, so he,
0: he. I've not heard that. So he,
1: he. Uh, he does a brilliant impression of me, an absolutely belted impression. Uh, you need to listen to that. So yeah, sometimes on Radio X Breakfast Show, I'll get messages saying, "Oh." Moyles is doing you again, so I'll just dip in and I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's me. Um and it's kind of like, you know, when Keith Lemon did Mel B, that's what it sounds like Get when that. he does exactly me Exactly that. Exactly um, that. And I have, I've said to him, I've called him out on it. I've <laughs> to be fair, I've we've just laughed about it because I think it's really bloody really funny. Um and then I met him at a football game, but I was working, so I only got to say hello briefly. But again, I love that. You knew, you know me, and you know that that's exactly the kind of thing I love—just yeah. having the piss taken out of me. I find it so funny. So, and again, I respect him for what he does and what he continues to do in radio because, like you, he just sticks to who he who he is and doesn't change.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's not put me on a par with Chris Moore. So, anyway, uh, we might. End oh, no, up. I
1: wasn't. I wasn't like he's here and you're there. Yeah, yeah well, what I mean,
0: edit this bit <laughs> out, Simon. Now. Um, look radio done you, you've gone on to do a lot of stuff with William Hill um obviously the Leeds United football stuff the podcast uh was it the dead parents what is it called Your po- dead po- parents yeah, podcast, yeah which is yeah. an amazing podcast um and you've done stuff for and this will make me smile and we don't need to go into the reasons why but Mola TV in uh, Indonesia mm-hmm. uh and Premier Sports as well so you have you've, you've gone on to do a lot what uh, what's what's next for you Emma Emma Jones
1: I don't actually know because if you'd have told me a year ago I'd be doing what I'm doing now I probably wouldn't have known because I've only just started working for Premier Sports this season doing the rugby league which I love and I think in the same way I always have always thought like you can have a a plan but your five-year plan probably is going to look totally totally different so I just want to keep doing more of the same I want to keep hosting shows see what other sports are out there you know Football is obviously my bread and butter, but I'm loving covering the rugby league. I've just started working with British Triathlon and I love working with them. Like, it's great because that's a whole different discipline, isn't it? Because they're individuals doing a sport a lot of the time. Just more of the presenting, just more presenting. Anything that, you know, seems fun. You know what it's like. It it feels right. If it feels light and you feel like you want to do it, then I just want to go after it. But I don't have like a you know, I want that particular job. I just love what I'm doing and I want to keep doing more of it.
0: Like, Let's be honest. The football, I mean, I know you are a football fan, but you, you've, you've, you didn't say no to that and you took on the challenge and you've done an incredible job. And I know you're loved by the club. The, you did the netball for a bit, you, you know, and you, you don't say no to anything. You just take on the challenge, which I think is amazing.
1: Yeah, I just love it. I always think, like, what's the worst that can happen? What is the worst that's going to happen? You're not going to gain anything from saying no, but you could gain a load from saying yes. And all these different things, they're all experience in whatever form they come. So they can all, you never know where it's going to lead you. And most importantly, how much you might enjoy it because there's nothing I've ever done where I've gone, oh, I hated that. I've enjoyed it all. So saying yes it's just has served me well because I've enjoyed it. It's made everything an enjoyable experience. And I think that's what I'd say to anyone, really. Or like, if it feels right and you think it might help you, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone and just going for things can actually be where growth is and can make you even happier than you are already. Oh,
0: yeah. Emma, before you do go, we always ask our guests to do the the credits in their best voiceover. So, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think we've had Mel B do it yet, have we? So this is going to be... Yeah. This is going to be fantastic. So you haven't done voiceover work, have you?
1: No, I haven't.
0: No, okay. I don't. I don't do I want- need?
1: You? Do you want me to be myself or put a voice on? Do
0: you know what, Emma? You do whatever makes you happy.
1: You've been listening to Crunch and Roll with me, Emma Louise Jones. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and never miss an episode. Crunch and Roll is a Nine Six Nine Media production presented by John Fox and produced by Simon Buszmann. Let me. Oh, no, that's the message you sent to
0: me. How that? On your social media, there was a video of you. Um, I think you went back to your old high school and did a talk to the kids. Now, I, I couldn't watch it because I-, I felt that like your trousers were pulled up too high. Um, <laughs> but one. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> good observation yeah i think you're laughing because you know it's true yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're going to get loads of hits on that picture because people are going to go jesus they are pulled up quite high
1: yeah. simon calls me in <laughs>